Welcome to Good and Decent, a podcast by Grotto Network. Stories of ordinary people living in extraordinary ways. Episode 2, Finding Generosity. When the Grotto Network team decided that our second episode of this podcast was going to revolve around generosity and benevolence, the first person we thought about was Charles Bikeman Jenkins. Hopefully after you hear his story, you'll know why. Outlined against a blue-gray South Bend, Indiana sky, 30 to 50 bicycles lean up against a white garage. The bikes seem to be the only source of color in this scene. This is Charles Jenkins' house. Mr. Jenkins lifts his garage door open and reveals the organized chaos within. It's like a scrapyard, a recycle center, and an artist's workshop all in one. It's everything he's collected and kept since he became the neighborhood's bike man over 50 years ago. I started doing bikes for kids when my kids were kids. Then they got friends, then they got cousins. So that's how I started. People see me at the grocery store, hey mom, it's a bike man. <laughs> that's, that's, they forget my name, but, but my name is Charles Jenkins, so they forget that, but bike man is fine. I accept that everywhere I go. It's, 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 it's amazing. As a matter of fact, that male lady, she bought a bike for me for before a child. I was actually running camera that day, and when Mr. Jenkins said that about the male lady, I whipped the camera around really quick and caught a fleeting glimpse of her. I guess it kind of made me realize I don't even know what my male person looks like. The male lady recedes from sight, and Mr. Jenkins shows us how to patch a flat tire. He uses various metal tools, a book of matches, a bike pump, and a bucket of water. A lot of people in this neighborhood use their bikes functionally to get to work or school. They're really important. Basically, people bring in flat tires, chain slips, chain brakes, brakes not working, hand grips, seats, you know, sprockets go bad, bearings go bad in the rear end. It's just everything you can think of almost on a bike. If you think of it, if I got it, I'll help you out. Over the course of the conversation, Bike Man lays out some of his, quote, prices. He fixes flats and other small problems for $5, or $1, or free. He sells refurbished bikes for $50, or $20, and sometimes he just gives those away for free, too. Producer Chuck Fry asks him if there was ever a time when his generosity over the years had been returned to him. The kid that uh, I gave a bike to when I was 12 years old, he came back to me later. And but at that time, I was down and out. I got laid off from work. Hadn't, hadn't got my unemployment yet. Came to the house, and the kid, he's an adult now. He wrote, he wrote the letter. He said, 
I was 12 years old, you gave me a bike. That meant the world to me. He said, I won some money on a lottery scratch off. First person I thought about was you. He gave me 500 bucks. I'll get the letter for you. You want to see it? Yes, I want to see it. Man, I was on my knees crying, man. Couldn't believe it. I want to stop doing it, but, but you know, man, when somebody come, hey, are you still doing bikes? Well, yeah, I am. So I'm, I'm kind of stuck now. I probably, I can't stop doing it now because the kids love it. And I love, love my kids happy. And, you know, I just continue to do it. I guess the love of my life. A kid from down the street, probably in junior high, rides his bike towards us and rolls into Mr. Jenkins' driveway. He's hoping for some help with some bike things. Yeah, no trouble? How's it great? The evening is a bit darker and grayer when the kid eventually leaves pedaling faster now with his tightened chains. Standing in his white garage, Mr. Jenkins proudly watches him ride out of eyesight, knowing another kid could round the corner at any second. Bikeman's generosity isn't this single act of replacing one chain link. It's the way he lives his whole life. You know, I ain't no preacher. I'm not a, a great Bible reader, but I know he's looking on, on all of us. And you're, you're doing good here. He got a place for you in heaven. Bike Man has kept his community moving for decades is a grotto story. It was produced by Chuck Fry and me, Josh Long. Great, and we're on. Sarah, how you doing today? Hi, good. How are you, Javi? You know, I'm just here in my parents' house, living the dream. <laughs> living the dream. I am also with my family, so. Oh, nice. So, Sarah, what have you been up to lately? Any any fun things? Any fun recipes? Baking any bread? Some sourdough starters? I do not have a sourdough starter, though I have a very good friend who, this is a great sentence. I have a great friend who lives in Portland mm. who has a sourdough starter. Isn't that just, Oh, that's she's nice. just very hip. <laughs> Cooking is always something that has been a little bit of a struggle for me. So, hmm. I mean, even like I will paint you a picture. This is going to be embarrassing. Please, but let's let's hear it. When we, I was, it was junior year of college, mm -hmm. and my we moved into apartment style dorms mm -hmm. at the university I went to. I moved in with this great friend who had this, who's very like health conscious. And one night, I am making. I'm not kidding you. I am making macaroni and cheese, <laughs> and like breaded chicken fingers, the adult version of chicken nuggets <laughs> in the oven. Like that is my dinner. I am 21 years old. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and my friend and new roommate is sauteing kale mm. on the stove. Like it could not, there could, there is, 
no greater contrast than those two images, like my bright orange craft mac and cheese and her green sauteed kale. So I was recently doing this um, actually for a meal train. Do you know what that is? I don't. Tell me what a meal train is. <laughs> no, it's kind of a, it's a cute little name. Yeah. So a meal train is when somebody organizes to deliver meals to someone in need. So it could uh-huh. be uh, a mom and dad who just recently had a baby. True. In my case, it's an older friend who has cancer, recurring cancer, and she continues to battle that. And so oh, someone will set up a meal train and they'll send out an email. People can sign up to bring meals to this person. And so I signed up recently to do this, you know, one pot. That's lovely. Yeah, one pot chicken and sage dumpling soup. But it's only one pot, Sarah. That's right. I know, but I know it's going to take the 36 <laughs> utensils. So I just, it's stressing me out thinking about it. Yeah, I'm kind of just existing in that space right now where this is such an, a beautiful thing for someone to organize. Mm-hmm. And this, I want this to just be something that flows out of me, this mm. kind of generosity and and hospitality Mm -hmm. for another person Mm -hmm. but it doesn't always like i really put this off yeah when when do you have to deliver this meal yeah it has to be done by i think thursday so we're talking just and today is thursday at 11 23 (laughs) (laughs) today it has to be done it has to be done by today today (laughs) so i think you've been putting off this 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 one pot dumpling soup even though it is for such a lovely cause of, of your friend with cancer, who I hope uh, is doing well and, and taking care, it can be a hard thing sometimes to truly be generous. And uh, there's pressure on it, right? There's pressure on ourselves to be generous and good and thoughtful and giving. Yeah, I think it is hard to just be the kind of person who pours out in giving to another. For um, sure. But I want to be, you know? Sure. Well, like you say, there's fatigue right now. I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's like I've gotten out of bed, I've brushed my teeth, and I've put on socks. Isn't that good enough? Truly, isn't that enough? Isn't that enough, world? What more can you ask of me, let alone I'm lucky if I feed myself. Like To feed someone else sounds quite the task. Yeah. And when I think of that word hospitality, I think of the local cup. The coffee shop oh, in town. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For folks who aren't familiar, who aren't locals to South Bend, the local cup is a lovely little place uh, with a rather unique uh, financial structure where there are no prices and uh, people pay what they want to pay. And the idea is that you pay forward towards the person behind you. I know you, you, you need your coffee to survive. <laughs> Absolutely essential. And I've been, really been thinking about that story, yeah. this young woman, Annie, who she just exudes joy. Yeah. Like you can tell that being hospitable and generous doesn't take anything away from her. I see someone like that and I'm like, what is that? What is that you have and yeah, how do what? I get it? Yeah. How do you do that? What's wrong with you? Yeah, <laughs> you, that thing. Yeah. Hmm. Why yeah, are you so-, so nice and sweet all the time? What? What is right. your secret? Like what's in your coffee, truly? Yeah. You know, what is that secret ingredient? And I think- I'm not even sure generous is the right word, honestly. I would mm-hmm. kind of love to hear how someone like Annie or or folks at the local cup even characterize their life philosophy. Sure. Yeah. So it's 11.30, my time, on a Thursday. Your chicken pot, dumpling, one pot, incredible <laughs> meal is due in a few hours. But yeah. what I hear you saying is you want to take a trip to the local cup. 
I would love to, yeah. Should we play that piece for, for our audience? Let's go. Every cup is brewed with love. I'm very cheesy. I'm a cheesy person. I like to say it's from it's because I'm from Wisconsin and we're a cheese state. But like, um, I can't express oh, how much you bean to me. <laughs> I love you a latte. Yeah. So you get coffee, you get puns too. When I'm working. <laughs> Annie is a senior barista at the local cup, a coffee shop in South Bend, Indiana. It's wintertime in the Midwest, and there's a soft, bright white snow on the ground. But inside, the air is heavier, saturated with sweet and bitter notes of coffee. You can almost smell the fire burning freshly gathered wood. Anyone that walks in the door is a neighbor. No matter where you're coming from, no matter what your story is, we care for each other and in turn, we feel cared for. So even if we don't know our neighbors, we know that whenever we get a cup of coffee, that that's coming from the community, and that gives you um, a really great sense of comfort and belonging here. So, yeah. Annie beams as she pours steaming water over coffee grounds. Her neighbors gather around to watch in awe. What we like to say whenever we make someone a drink is that your coffee's been paid for by a neighbor already. Hi, Mike. <laughs> so um, in that way, we're just running on the generosity of other people. So there's no prices. There are so many ways to profit as a business. The relationships we have really like cultivate the wealth that really matters in our lives. Um, because those relationships are going to sustain us. It's called the bloom. When you first pour water into coffee, it starts to bubble and all the CO2 escapes from the beans into the air. It bubbles for a little bit. It's the bloom. I think doing pour over coffee really helps you experience the whole brewing process. Smells go into the air, the steam comes out. The regulars and new neighbors trickled in constantly from shop open to close, but the wait was never long. Sharing seems to be at the core of the local cup and of Annie's beliefs. This is definitely a space. Um, that represents the gifts that this neighborhood has to offer. Even the simple act of sharing a story with someone is a gift, truly, because you don't have to do that, but you do that because you want to give a little something to someone else that they can hold on to. And those are the small gifts that I think make a big impact. That's why I feel like it's such a blessing of being here every day, because, um, like I said, it's not work. This is more of a joy. It's something that's spread between people, shared in cups of coffee. <laughs> Creating a space that breeds real connections is the only business model that matters because our care for one another is the only currency that matters. 
we think about how we can give a little bit of our spirit into those small actions. There are not many places like the local cup out there, and I think there should be in every city, in every neighborhood, you know. Local Coffee Shop Runs on Acts of Kindness is a grotto story by Tara Kelly and me, Aaron Williams. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm the one who's been emailing you. Oh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I was really taken by the story that Grotto did on you and the local cup. But, you know, so you're not working at the local cup anymore. I know that you've since moved away, right? Yes, I'm in Texas. You're in Texas. So what was the kind of spirit or the energy there? How would you describe it? Thinking back to my time at the local cup, I was there for four years. So I describe it as one of the greatest opportunities I had in college. It wasn't, it didn't feel like work because I just felt so filled up every time I stepped into the cafe itself. It was very alive, very energetic. We had a lot of people coming from all different walks of life to this one space and to this common common ground where everyone felt like they could be heard and seen and loved and accepted. And because of that, people gave all of themselves um, to perfect strangers. And that's something that it could have been because the business model was a bit radical because we don't have prices on what we serve. And um, people kind of came for the community and stayed for that as well. Because of that, I just felt so inspired. I started thinking about your work at the local cup because I was making a meal for a friend and cooking is not something that comes naturally to me. So I, you know, was in the kitchen banging around a bunch of pots and pans and probably like cursing to myself and getting frustrated. And I I was thinking about, you know, it seems like generosity flows naturally from people and places, like places like the local cup. And I think, is it just about being generous or is it something more? Is it something that has to do with this, the connection between two people? The spirit of generosity is definitely contagious because when we boil it all down, I think like the true richness of our lives consists of the relationships that we have with others. Um, and so it could be in this time, even before COVID, um, that that yearning for human connection is always alive, I think, in our hearts. So um, and that could manifest in different ways. And generosity is one beautiful manifestation of that that is um, more obviously seen at the local cup. But I just I think relationships are at the at the core of everything. And the value of those relationships really motivates us and um gives us drive to do what we do um, and act with goodness in our hearts. Yeah. And you touched on, you know, we're living in such a strange world right now in the midst of the COVID pandemic, because we've, we've probably never been so isolated as individuals. That's certainly something I have been, you know, craving. I wonder if you in your life right now, and maybe you can share with us a little bit about what it is you're up to right now, but also just how you come back to finding community and connection with others. Yeah, I think it's certainly difficult right now. I mean, those of us who are blessed with um, access to technology have it maybe a little bit easier as we can reach out to people, but it's definitely taking a toll, I think. 
I believe we can find ways to kind of keep that spirit alive within ourselves, no matter where we are and what we're doing. A great example, I think, of the spirit of generosity, at least, and how it's kind of traveled in my life, um, has a direct connection to the local cup, actually. The founder, one of the founders of the local cup, her name was Catherine Griffin. Um, she recently passed away this summer from cancer. She had planted a seed for me through her ex previous experience volunteering here in Texas at the organization I'm at right now. Um, it's called oh Casa Juan Diego. Yep. So Casa Juan Diego is a Catholic worker house in Houston for immigrants and refugees who are undocumented coming to the United States. So we um, do a lot of different things to serve the community. And she told me about her experience volunteering at Casa Juan Diego 15 years ago or so. And she was the, she's the reason why I'm here today. And hearing her experience here really sparked my interest in pursuing this, this great experience of volunteer work throughout this year of service that I've committed to. I just love that there's this connection um, with hospitality and places of hospitality. Like you as the barista at the local cup could open up a space of hospitality for people to come in. And they could use the excuse of needing coffee or, you know, to actually kind of go deeper and, and experience this like real human connection. And it sounds like that is the kind of golden thread in your life as of late is being a part of holding these, these hospitable spaces for others. I would say that these spaces are created by the communities and- mm. Um, sustained by the communities themselves. I don't think um, I've had a large part in it, but I feel more blessed by these spaces um, and blessed by the opportunity to contribute to these spaces as they have been created by the communities that are so eager to kind of see them flourish in a way. Trying to follow, like you said, that, that thread um, in times of uncertainty, especially when we don't know where we're going, trying to see what, what feels like the right next step to take um, and how can you express that spirit wherever you go. If you had to answer the question, you know, why do you do what you do? Or why why do we have places like this, like Casa Juan Diego or the local cup? Um, how would you answer that? It's how I sustain myself. Um, in college, I studied my major, the title of my major was Global Justice and Human Rights. And um, I spent a lot of my time learning about a lot of the injustices of the world. And I would get so fired up and so angry and I wouldn't know what to do with all my energy. And then I would enter a space like the local cup and my faith in humanity would be restored um, mm -hmm. because I would, I would just soak up that human interaction, those relationships. Um, those connections that were filled with so much life and so much love. Those were the key pieces of the equation of the picture that I think are oftentimes missed when we look at uh, like this bleak picture of the world and the issues that are um, all wrong when we see, when we look on the news or just see these things happening in front of us. And so it's, it's how I sustain myself. Well, you know, I think a lot of people wonder how they can find the hope you have or even create spaces of hospitality for people. Where do you think someone should start? I would say start in your own neighborhood. Um, start with the people around you. I, I often wonder how, like just walking around different neighborhoods, how many people actually know each other? 
um, mm. could be the person who comes to deliver your mail. Do you know them by name? Do you greet them every day? Um, how do you interact with others, um, even in the small ways that we can? And those ways are so, those simple, simple moments in our days are so important and could be the transformative elements of our life that lead us to those spaces. Um, and I think that's how it started in the small little city of South Bend that holds so much joy um, is just those simple things we can do every day. And I think a lot of times people kind of put their walls up when they meet a stranger and they don't maybe feel like they have the courage in that moment to really step over those boundaries and meet someone where they are. But that's exactly the hard work that we have to do. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's been such a pleasure and privilege for me to talk to you. I've been thinking about this all day and I've, I've tried to express just a little bit of how I feel about the local cup, but um, thank you for this time. It's been absolutely amazing. Oh my gosh, Sarah, what a great interview. And this was your first time interviewing somebody too, right? It was, yeah. Yeah, you did a great job. So <laughs> thank you. It was um it was she's so lovely to talk to, and she wouldn't even let me talk about her loveliness for long. <laughs> she kept redirecting, which I think is right. actually so indicative of who she is. I think there's totally a lesson in that for for us. You know, for what is ultimately, you know, a little side job working as a barista during college, like, you know, how, how many folks, we've all had those jobs and for her to find so much meaning and uh, purpose and community. It's, it's wonderful. She is, she is remarkable. What a, what a great gal. I, I agree with you. I think it's amazing how something as small as a coffee shop can have such lasting implications in, in someone's life and set her on this course and I think something that, you know, Annie has taught me is that the less you can make it about you, the more you mm -hmm. cannot make it about you, mm -hmm. that that's what life is really about. Um, and I did love that she said, she's like, do you know the name of the, you know, person who delivers your mail? Do you know mm -hmm. No the idea. name of, yeah, your neighbor walking down the street. I will say I know more dogs' names in my neighborhoods than people's names for that very reason. Like I, there's there's Governor and there's Sarge and there's little Betty down the way. Um, I don't know any of their human names, but. <laughs> that's like second layer. That's, the, that's like the journey of Javi and I are both kind of puppy young dog owners. And that's, that's the journey is first step mm -hmm. is the dog name Absolutely. and then eventually the human name. And just forging that connection. I mean, yes, I loved yes, what Annie yes. said about that people would come to the local cup for connection. They'd stay, mm -hmm. like, come for the community, stay for the community. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I, I just love that. It's like I want to create spaces in my own life where people feel that way. Yeah. And maybe in order to do that, it's going to require first me not, like, grumbling and and. Yep being annoyed by having to like make a meal for someone or like you know actually mm -hmm. doing it with a sense of um openness and gift so mm -hmm. i don't know mm -hmm. easier said than done for sure for sure I did end up making that soup, by the way. 
and I brought it over to my friend Jan. I set it on her front porch steps and she and I had a really lovely and sweet conversation through her screen door. I actually didn't know it then, but that was our final conversation. I'll always remember Jan and be forever grateful for her mentorship. This episode was hosted by Javi Zubizarreta and Sarah Toms. It was produced and edited by Josh Long. Grotto Network is senior producer Javi Zubizarreta and senior editor Josh Nome. Liz Colloran is the assignment desk and event program manager. Michaela Douglas, web content strategist. Becky Ottman, graphic designer. Josh Long, producer. Ben Cruz, associate producer. That's me. Adrian Garalde is our social media manager. Tara Kelly and Aaron Williams are our treasured video interns. All right. That was wonderful. You know, what's so funny is that I have the number of um, Charles Jenkins in my phone because at one point I was looking for a bike and someone recommended that I reach out to him. Um, yeah, I have him in my phone as Mr. Bike Man. Charles oh Jenkins. my gosh. That's amazing.